This is the Launchtime Podcast, a 30-minute or so show about launching your own empire, but fits in your lunchtime, hence the name Launchtime. Lorenzo. Nick, welcome. Today, we have our own live audience. Yes, and because we were, we are recording at the TEDx Rotterdam event, and we have a really nice space here with a table and our mics all set up. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is actually five minutes from our normal place, our normal studio. Today we have Professor Ketter, uh, who's talking about the energy transition and how AI uh, comes about in that uh, discussion. Uh, and let's dive right in. Uh, our main guest of today has an astonishing resume, I may say. Uh, he's the director of the Erasmus Center for Future Energy Business, professor at Rotterdam School of Management uh, and the University of Cologne, and visiting professor at uh, the University of um, uh, California, Berkeley and Haas School go, um, go Business. Welcome. Thank you. Professor Wolfketter. Did I s- say that correctly? Wonderful. Thank because there was a lot on your resume. <laughs> 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 so hopefully we have that it's on all point. Good. Thank all you. right. Yeah. Welcome. Uh, welcome. Uh, normally we start out our interviews with uh, some alternative facts. Energy transition is mankind's biggest challenge at the moment. Yes. Energy services are the next big thing. Yes. Without Tesla, we are doomed. No. Energy transition is um, is a uh, not a technical challenge, but a social one. Yes and no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think we have room for some elaboration now. Yes. Mm. Yes, absolutely. So, where do you want to start? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's start. I think the the technical challenge versus the social one. Well, I think. Um, Actually, in my talk, I will actually uh, somewhat elaborate actually exactly on that question. What we actually see, and we actually see what I would call the area of the emotionalization of energy. Actually, we saw it in the 80s when actually was the birth of the Green Party in Germany. There was a lot of emotionalization about the energy field and people wanted already to have much more sustainable energy, but it wasn't technology really possible. No. And now actually in the last decade, we have really seen a rising share of renewable energy resources. And now actually for the first time, this is actually technologically possible. And now the next step will actually be to put in the human in the loop. And that is a really big thing because mm-hmm. Uh, as opposed to the fossil fuel energy industry, which was, you know, always reliable, constant, available, you, because you just had to burn something, um, it, it wasn't easy, I want to say mm-hmm. that, but it was relatively easy compared to an energy source like solar wind that is highly weather dependent. Mm-hmm. So that's, and therefore you really need technology to make that energy reliable and you need to have the humans to use the energy when it's available. And that is a big thing, and that is a mind a paradigm shift. Uh, but, but like, uh, effectively, that means like if you have an electric car, mm-hmm. uh, name a brand of it, and you want to go to uh, to your work, and that's like a 100 kilometer drive. You need to charge it for as a minimum of 100 kilometers. Right. But let's say your uh, range is n- normally like 300 miles or 300 kilometers. Mm-hmm. Do you mean that having energy uh, to be known with energy and be be engaged with that is that that you are setting your car to a 100 kilometer 
range or is it something else? Where is the, uh, where, what can a normal human do today? Right. So what I will elaborate on in my talk is that we need actually AI machine learning to use the behavioral patterns of humans and then charge the car um, appropriately for that day, for example. So it's not always needed that like um, when people go to the gas station today, they fill up their tank 100% because if I'm already there, I might as well. Most people do, like me. Yeah. And uh, But uh, with the future energy landscape, that's not nearly um, always needed because prices will be in future dynamic instead of static and that is dependent on the volatility and then we will have technology at our hands i call them an avatar an intelligent software avatar or intelligent software agents that's actually what my research group is working on for the last 20 plus years and these agents will then check for example your calendar agenda they will see working you from home or you are uh, today in rotterdam but tomorrow you have to drive to amsterdam that's like a 79 kilometer or so around you know one way and so you need about approximately 120 130 kilometers charge in your car but maybe it's also enough to get you there if you like have a uh, stay duration of five, six hours and it's enough to, you know, charge back. So, I mean, it, there's a lot of it's it's a lot of taking into account uh, the weather and other mm -hmm. systems also in your neighborhood. Like if lots of people in your neighborhood have an electric vehicle, it is not the smartest thing to charge them at the same time. So, no, which is logical because you all come home around the same time, right? Exactly. And you're all parking your car <laughs> in the in the parking exactly. lot, and the grid will be totally overloaded. Exactly. At, at some time. point, uh, transformator in that neighborhood will be glowing, right? Because <laughs> yeah. like if you you were just talking about Tesla, Tesla has of course large scale batteries, mm -hmm. and they uh, draw so much electricity from the grid that uh, you can even get brown or blackouts, which will be totally no. bad, right? Yeah. And with that technology, we want to avoid that. Mm -hmm. But Tesla is building now a car of like. It's an easy example, like the car. Mm -hmm. uh, but Tesla is building now a car for thirty-five thousand euros or something. Mm -hmm. The new I Model Three. The Model Three. So, yeah. so somewhere, in the, but that's like a big change from what where they're at now. At exactly. Price. So, uh, like talking quantity, there are a lot of more cars coming, like because Volkswagen, uh, Mercedes, right. in all about said uh, Volvo said we are not going to make only uh, dedicated fossil cars anymore. Mm -hmm. We're going to stop with there are more the hybrid cars. But mm -hmm. anyhow they will be uh, this technology like you're talking about like you said we're researching it for over 20 years mm. but uh, isn't there also a point of like the point of no return that we need that technology tomorrow when the cars are there to prevent blackouts and stuff well, it, like I said, it really depends. Like, if you're the only one in your neighborhood who's driving an electric vehicle, then you don't need it. If there are one or two other people, you don't need it. But if you know, if you reach a certain, I would say, tipping point mm -hmm. in you know, in the society, maybe like 20, 30 plus uh, percent of the people have electric vehicles, we need definitely electric infrastructure. Mm -hmm. And a lot of these technologies are already in place today. Like, for example, smart metering. Actually, in the Netherlands is a forerunner mm -hmm. in the rollout of smart meters and such. We just need need more of these uh, interaction technologies like these agents I'm talking about um, and I think this will come this has to grow over time so the the, the more we increase the rising share of renewables the more mm -hmm. things like uh, uh, the electric vehicles will come the more technology will emerge uh, this is a little bit like a chicken and an egg yeah. problem right but so yeah. you cannot have uh, out of a sudden 100% electric vehicles but you're not mm -hmm. doing the rest of the infrastructure the no but the infrastructure isn't it because sorry to yeah. <laughs> yeah, go ahead I want to ask <laughs> this question because like infrastructure is I think it's slower in, in innovation and in, in advantage than just buying a new car 
Like, because cars are, like, I think there was research once that the, the regular car over the past 10 years in the Netherlands is being replaced every three to four years. Mm. Which is, if, if, if parties like Volvo are saying, yeah, we're not building normal cars anymore, right. and other parties are going as well. So in four years, I might only be able to buy uh, the new electric uh, models from those uh, from those brands. Yeah, I don't know. That's of course a policy decision, yeah, right? So yeah, that's, of course, uh, yeah. that has less to do in a way with technology. But it's at some point the country may make like Sweden or uh, so of mm-hmm. uh, Tesla in that sense a policy uh, decision saying, okay, we're only building electric vehicles, right? Uh, but uh, I think the basic infrastructure and the grid, physics is physics. That will stay no matter. You cannot tra- uh, trick physics, so you need to have yeah. actually physical wires. You may have in future maybe inductive charging. More more and more instead of plug-in charging but that has a disadvantage that you can only charge slower and um, but I think that uh, actually you're speaking about uh, this technology in these cars actually this this actually there's a lot of this highly intelligent technology can be just also in the charger itself so it actually doesn't need to be that the rest of the infrastructure necessarily has to be changed a lot mm-hmm. right I think you that actually in the end will be uh, cables in the ground <laughs> yeah so that won't need to change so much actually if we do much more intelligent technology then actually we will need less copper in the ground because actually if you see if you use intelligent technology, then actually you need less to extend your infrastructure and your grid as you would need as, you know, because at some point you have a rising share of technology, uh, excuse me, of renewable energy resources. Mm-hmm. And then you have to, at some point, take care of it. Somebody has to do that. And because energy is not limitless storable at this moment, uh, you need intelligence, yeah. right? And that is uh, really a, a key well, talking about that, we, we we've been talking a little bit about the electric car because mm-hmm. it's a it's a really visible thing, sure. uh, and we and we use it already in the energy transition. But energy transition touches on many many fields. Yes. For example, homes yes. uh, and grids. Yes. Can you talk us a little bit about that? You 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 were talking already about AI and and smart smarter uh, use of energy. Right. So what what is actually happening? Uh, there is a phenomenon we call the smart home. Yeah, right? of course. And the smart homes, smart buildings, smart neighborhoods, smart cities, they're all smart, 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 right? Mm-hmm. And what is uh, what is actually meant with that, that we actually become more uh, energy autark. For example, currently I'm actually renting a, a home in, in, in Germany in a very old, very highly populated neighborhood and there is not much for me to actually put a charger and, mm-hmm. and it's just disastrous. Um, but for example, at the moment I'm also building a new house just maybe a kilometer from there and there I'm actually uh, putting solar panels on the roof, I'm putting two electric vehicle chargers in my basement and I'm put, uh, putting like uh, extra batteries and I'm putting a heat pump and all that. So. So if people now making these new investments, it's also an energy uh, efficient house. So the house by itself uses less uh, than 50% than normal other houses. Mm-hmm. So this is a lot of, like we see that a lot of these new technologies in houses, it, I think that technological change is just coming faster and faster, but it's not like um, threatening existing things that you cannot use no. these things anymore, right? But at some point you will just not be able to buy, which makes sense. We actually do promote uh, fossil fuel uh, uh, or gasoline cars but you have to think if you have only electric vehicles and you charge it with nuclear or even worse coal power then you might as well go forward with uh, Mm -hmm. the the, uh, gasoline or diesel cars because they are the same polluting just that their pollution is not now in the cities they are somewhere in somewhere else somewhere else right and 
what actually uh, has to be done as soon as we extend that infrastructure we have to excel to, um, to rise the share of renewable energy resources yeah. because otherwise it doesn't make sense okay uh, my view on energy transition is that it's that, that there are uh, really really small incremental uh, incremental stuff like mm -hmm. uh, making your your home smart or get a new uh, thermostate that's uh, that, that knows that you're home or away etc etc but if you look at the uh, bigger picture um, what do we need what do we need to change or which fields do we need to change to uh, make bigger uh, bigger uh, impact on, on energy transition on, on the transition itself actually I will be talking a little bit about this in my coming tech talk now mm -hmm. oh, okay. and uh, <laughs> actually it is not just about particular fields the future the current and even more so the future energy landscape is a highly interdisciplinary field you know 20 years ago, 25, 30 years ago, uh, the people who were working in the field, they were like, in quote unquote, just electrical engineers mainly, maybe some energy economists, that was it, mm -hmm. right? Nowadays, you see really uh, highly trained computer scientists, artificial intelligence people, machine learning people, you see even psychologists, you see even medical people, you know, how people interacting mm -hmm. with devices in a very new, uh, never seen before manner, uh, so this is uh, becoming, it's not just uh, mm -hmm. one particular thing what we think. I, I see this whole energy transition more like an evolution or revolution of uh, one billion kind of things, not just one big no. bang. It's it's actually, like you said, in a way it is. Uh, you need to have a good policy in place. And then actually a lot of these billion puzzle pieces formed and hopefully together the beautiful pictures that we have at some point, mm -hmm. sustainable energy. But yeah. Isn't that like, if you look at, like we, we talked about Tesla, huh? but we can also talk about Nest for example. Sure. Sure. Because those are the like the sexy companies of the future, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They make like nobody ever thought about changing their thermostat until yeah. Nest actually made an, a nicer one. It was actually funny because, like, I think three years ago, I think uh, uh, the thermostat Nest was the most one of the most popular Christmas gift in the yeah. US. And would you ever say, "Hey, honey, I have a Christmas gift for you. It's a thermostat," right? I mean, it's <laughs> like you know, like 10, 20 years ago, I think your uh, uh, partners or would have probably thrown you out of the, <laughs> the house, right? But yeah. I mean, it's like nowadays. <laughs> I think that is something like quite nice that we have now also a mind change. Actually, we can actually do something and uh, mm -hmm. really energy becomes I mean a energy in a sense will never be like a sexy commodity right no. energy is energy but we need energy but what is the big difference people per se not necessarily care about energy but they care about the services that energy is providing let's say I want to try from Rotterdam to Amsterdam I want to have a cool beer on a Friday evening right mm -hmm. or I want to have it warm during winter that's what people care about and that is where this whole AI machine learning will come into place and uh, will make people's lives in the future mm -hmm. more easier because otherwise these uh, prices and the weather changes all the time and I cannot monitor all these conditions all the time because I have other things to do right i have a mm -hmm. family i have a uh, business yeah. to run so this is where ai comes then into play so yeah. the services sorry the, the services where we where we asked you mm -hmm. earlier about uh, will be the big thing the, the mm -hmm. services which provide uh, the the transition or or sustain this uh, transition right the, the energy transition I think that will be a really big thing uh, because like we will be focusing really as uh, energy as a services or services yeah. provided by energy and that is because see if I ask you what is your annual energy uh, uh, usage do you know what is your daily usage 
I have no idea. See, so no. <laughs> and I don't blame you. No, I don't blame you because it's just you know how it is, right? That is like people have not really a connection. People may know more about what is mm -hmm. how much water they have used or something mm -hmm. like this. But energy, yeah, it's it's something like intangible. But I think that in this new world it becomes a bit more tangible. Well, the uh, I have I'm, I'm not to make any advertising for my energy company, but they uh, because I have some some smart meter that okay. they can they can they can uh, charge me per month for what I'm not. Mm -hmm. With the end of the year okay. roundup, yeah. so I get a real uh, energy bill every month, yeah. and then they compare my energy with other stuff, which is rhetorical, but it's really funny actually because they said, "Yeah, you're you used uh, just as much energy a Boeing 747 would have used if it flew from Rotterdam to whatever." Right. So they're doing stuff like that, and that's hel actually helping me. Absolutely. And then they give me tips like if you, um, I don't know, they're not that smart. Like they're not saying, "Yeah, you you left this <laughs> the lights on <laughs> in your bedroom." Like it's not that. There's not that level. We're yeah, it's more visible. Yeah, but in that sense. But like, I have this uh, uh, this w really interesting device in my home. My girlfriend hates me for it, mm. and he thinks I'm crazy. But I bought the Google Home. Okay. Good. And but I think those types of devices because they attach all those devices at once. Mm. So when I go out of my my house every day. I just say, "Hey Google, turn uh, turn off everything," and everybody mm. click, and everything is off. Yeah. Uh, normally, I forget those stuff. Mm. So the only thing that I had to do, and I think that's the hard part now for a lot of people, I have to buy all these Wemo uh, outlets yeah, yeah, and yeah, stuff yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, like, yeah. like I'm the innovator that have uh, that, that is having like the big chunky stuff, way expensive stuff, by the way, mm. uh, in my house just to do cool stuff but I'm not busy doing cool stuff for my energy bill mm. I'm doing cool stuff because I think it's funny well I, no I think that's but you bring out a good point is about uh, with these kind of things people get more um, maybe more appreciative of energy and then maybe oh I'm using that much right mm -hmm. I, I remember like uh, 30 more years ago when I was driving uh, with my father's new car and there was a there was a, um, a meter in the car which shows how much gasoline is currently being used mm -hmm. and, oh, oh I'm using that much right maybe yeah. I should uh, drive a little slower and I think the same yeah. effect like 30 years later we'll have now these smart meters when the people actually see uh, what um, what they're using and what is as an equivalent so for example like if you fly from amsterdam to let's say new york uh, that is as much energy being used with one transatlantic flights and what you will use and your girlfriend mm -hmm. in your house the whole year mm -hmm. yeah. that is just amazing amount of energy right and it also at the same time it will each of you will burn five square meter of alaskan ice uh, you know, uh, promote climate yeah. change, mm -hmm. right? So this is something like uh, when you c think about these things and kind of uh, start comparing, and then think, oh, people become aware. I think these uh, what these devices do, they raise awareness, and I think mm -hmm. that is a very good thing. Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, to round it up a little bit, uh, since you are the director at the Center for Future Energy Business, uh, are you working on anything like this? Or uh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Can you, <laughs> can you give I one example? Is it possible? <laughs> well, we absolutely. Is possible we're working a lot on uh, obviously uh, all kinds of way on uh, smart intelligent charging of uh, electric vehicles we're working uh, together for example we are uh, another project is uh, electric vehicles at virtual power plants so that we actually we have projects with different car sharing providers and vehicles that are plugged in that, but are currently not being rented we can aggregate them and actually then it really acts like a virtual let's say power plant like nuclear coal that can actually then provide energy to the grid or take energy in uh, whenever it's needed 
or we are working on behavioral work on how people use apps so that they can actually get a feeling what does it actually mean to drive an electric vehicle or we actually look at the transition what happens actually when we go from zero to 100 percent energy and there will actually be a tipping point i will also talk about this today during the talk mm -hmm. and so on so on so because lots of things that's what interested me as a follow-up question because it's part of the rsm the rotterdam school of management from the erasmus university but you say we're making apps to have people uh, making making them feel how it's like to drive an electric mm. car i would say that's more of a psychology sociology Approach. It's both. It's both because it's interesting why it's in that. In that, my question is: well, Why is it within the RSM world? Because I think it's really interesting. I think it should be there, but it's interesting because it could be an electrotechnical part. Uh, they're they are there as well, of course. Absolutely. I mean, like we uh, we work also like I mean, I'm at the Russell University. I'm in the University of Cologne, and both uh, was just at Berkeley, and uh, that's what I said just earlier uh, in the interview. This new field is a highly interdisciplinary field, so it's uh, it's not just in quote unquote electrical engineers and uh, energy economists. It is machine learning people, it's uh, AI people, it's uh, uh, psychologists, all these kind of different types of people working together, designers, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, to make this transition happen, it's because like you are going home, clicking on your lights, and the light is on. Uh, but in future, uh, hopefully that will be there too. But we have to. Uh, I'm, that's also I'm talking about about the reliability. We are so used that energy is always widely available, and in the future we have to think a little bit more uh, when to do certain things. For example, not necessarily charge your vehicle when you come home immediately. You can charge maybe three in the morning, but ne not necessarily you have to get up. Uh, mm -hmm. But you will have intelligent software like intelligent software agents that will do that on your behalf. Mm -hmm. um, and I will talk about it. And those home batteries that Tesla is making mm -hmm. are those like not because it's Tesla, but are those like the like sort egg of columbus that will help us like being more appreciative of energy as well that's that would be like well, actually then you're using your house as your iphone right. like i'm always looking at my iphone at the battery marker so absolutely me too because mine is a little broken right now but like uh, <laughs> uh, what, what, what is just new one just brought us <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 so in january or so but like what is happening is that uh, actually storage is absolutely one of the rosetta stones in this future energy landscape if you would have limitless storage yes then we could immediately go to 100 sustainable energy fill the storage whenever we need to and then you take energy from there but that is currently not available at that large scale and uh, it's also not economically feasible last last question uh, if you have to say one year that the world will be totally self-sufficient ah, of energy I'm getting this question all the time <laughs> so I know I, I, it is very But hard to put um, um, an, a year on it I my estimate is that Probably around the year of 2050, we can have about 80% sustainable mm. energy. There is always this 80-20 rule. So to get to 100%, it could be 5, 10 years later, but mm -hmm. it could also be 30 years later. Okay. But I'm quite optimistic that we get to 80% by 250, and then we'll see. Mm -hmm. uh, where we hope to go and maybe we for sure need other technologies maybe like po power to gas or something mm -hmm. alright well thank you for uh, for your time yeah, and well. good luck with your talk well thank you so much <laughs> thanks for having me I enjoyed it so our superhero of the month is Orion Herman from Liquid Gold can you please introduce yourself hi as you mentioned uh, Orion Herman from Liquid Gold uh, 
from from South Africa. We are in the exciting high growth company in the circular economy of sanitation. So, yes, that's right. We convert human waste called toilet resources into a market ready bio fertilizer in a simple and cost effective manner. So, to translate that really quickly for me, you're making you're also making toilets that convert just human yeah, you call it human resources let's yeah. say urine yeah into yeah gold liquid gold yeah so um yeah in terms of our hardware our technology we have completely waterless gender neutral uh, toilets uh, for festivals as well as undeveloped schools in africa but then further to that uh, we collect the human waste and harness the nutrients uh, out of the waste to create a new revenue stream uh, in the circular economy yeah and what are those revenue streams? Well, uh, we, we charge for handling waste, um, for handling uh, the waste uh, that we collect. We also, with the fertilizer, we sell that off as long-term agreements. And then, because we work in South Africa as well, we do special projects on sustainable development goals, making mm-hmm. sure that everybody has water and sanitation in Africa. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, before we go into the, the South Africa part, because yep. you say we make fertilizer of the feces uh, that are there, like that came out of, the, out of your toilets. Yeah. That means that you also have should have something of a like a huge uh, a huge dump somewhere that where you can retract all the resources, yep. right? And I'm glad you said that. We actually chat mm-hmm. while we're in conversation and have contract with the Port of Rotterdam to create mm-hmm. a biorefinery or mm-hmm. recovery depot where all this takes place. So we'll use our technology. It's a biofluidized uh, reactor to harness mm-hmm. the nutrients from that. Our first focus is the, the fertilizer, but further to that, mm-hmm. we can get biogas as well from it in terms of the energy. We can also look at protein oils uh, for livestock uh, and uh, water, uh, mm-hmm. off the grid water. So. But but, but these are like really high volume markets, right? Because right. if you have biogas, with like you you can you can never make enough of it, I, I guess, because then you're competing with all the other big companies there. But also with fertilizer and stuff, because they're really high impactful, also for the environment, but also on high volume products. So l- let's say if you have uh, the more clients you have, the more product you have to sell as well, yeah. right? Absolutely. So our focus is large volumes. So like, for example, cruise ships, uh, as well as festivals. So wherever mm-hmm. there's maximum amount of people, that's where we can uh, mm-hmm. have the best uh, impact. As Which well drink as a lot, right? On festivals. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, festivals, you know that, yeah. Um, as well as like, for example, Feyenoord uh, Stadium, as mm-hmm. well, large amounts of people. So wherever there is a high volume of people, that's where we can impact the mm-hmm. most and make it a very feasible business. Mm-hmm. And uh, like on a cruise ship, I can imagine like retrofitting your design is pretty hard. Um, say impossible somewhere sometimes yep. but can you also uh, add a sort of retrofit moment momentum in your cruise ship by also like retracting all the gold from the liquids <laughs> uh, uh, yeah good, good question um, so at the moment with existing it will be a little bit too capital intensive to do it so mm-hmm. creating a recovery depot makes it much more easier uh, for future ships uh, f- uh, going forward yes we can retrofit our technology into a ship but to add the value right now and have impact right now is to give uh, cruise ships a place where they can release their uh, nutrients and uh, improve on their brand value and their sustainability by practicing good sustainability mm-hmm. and you also told me something about data analytics yep can you please tell me more because that those are like the buzzwords like we have all the buzzwords blue economy etc but data analytics you, you have to help me there yeah absolutely now the, the thing about human waste is you can pick up so much uh, data from it, especially what is the health for example if a cruise ship comes through uh, we're able to analyze what is the health status of that cruise ship which gives us important information so what is the health status of your community uh, based on your waste uh, which mm-hmm. gives us which gives it different 
data analytics or drivers mm-hmm. for consu- and, and consumers. So uh, if I understand correctly, the next time I'm on booking.com, yeah. I see a rating from the room and yeah. also the rating from the people like like their rated on their on their urine and stuff right yeah so you, you have a health level and you have a experience level uh, absolutely yeah. <laughs> it could be possible though that's yeah. a booze cruise uh, ship <laughs> or that's a healthy ship yeah you, much, this uh, is good food and this isn't that good good food <laughs> and it's really <laughs> objective absolutely and, and, I, and i think um for us as well um it can prevent pre- uh, uh disease breakout if we can pick up what uh, what's in in there mm-hmm. for example if we are doing off-grid uh, communities within africa we can tell if there is any ebola or anything in the in oh, the Yeah, which allows us to do early prevention uh, warning pretty much mm-hmm. which, which becomes quite key yeah your company like uh, because like we, we everybody uses the toilet multiple times a day right you just told me like a normal human being fills up a bathtub full, full of urine every year correct so tends to think to me like why didn't nobody think of this before like or isn't nobody isn't anybody doing stuff like this as well like it's it, it, it surprises me because there is so much yeah gold in there right so absolutely from a data perspective but also because you told about sdg goals yeah can you please explain what an sdg goal is and what, what why your company is helping companies re- gaining those goals absolutely uh f- to, your, to answer your first question in terms of the urine diversion or utilizing our waste as a resource scientists for years have been saying it um mm-hmm. you find now that people are looking at the waste stream in different methods and mm-hmm. there are companies are, that are practicing this mm-hmm. uh what makes us so unique is that for the amount of nutrients that we get out of the waste stream uh and early adopters that move in this space now um that's really key now because we're really passionate about uh, sustainability, um, SDG goals, uh, there's 2.5 billion people without water and sanitation. For us, that's a big thing. So how we help our companies is they, they can leverage off our brand because we will, uh, for the proceeds we make in our company, we will give underdeveloped schools in Africa an opportunity for mm-hmm. water and sanitation, specifically affecting young girls and females with uh, bad or old technology or with no sanitation so they can have a proper chance uh, at a career or future. Mm-hmm. And because, but those SDG goals are for cruise ships, right? For example, like yep. normal cruise ships just dump their shit <laughs> actually well, in the water, right? Correct. Um, so, well, most cruise ships have to treat something, but it, when they discharge, it's in a partially treated state, mm-hmm. and they can discharge raw sewer at a certain um, certain mile or mm-hmm. like nought miles within the, in the ocean. Now, there's t- over six billion gallons of this waste being dumped annually. Surely, uh, there's going to be an impact on this. Uh, yeah, of course, you yeah. know. So we have to look at creative ways and look at regulation in terms of zero dumping and ports uh, have to create facilities in order to mm-hmm. manage this waste. So why use old traditional ways where you can recover the, the gold uh, yeah. off of the waste? Yeah, yeah. And, and the school program in South Africa, you have like 16 schools now? Yeah, so we started with three schools now with 16 schools lined up. Mm-hmm. So our first one was uh, a community of 3,000 kids or a school of 3,000 kids where we got our technology in. Mm-hmm. So they'll use the waterless technology in a container uh, where we dive Convert the urine, collect it, and treat the urine to be utilized in mm-hmm. the same facility, so that you can promote a better sports facility fields or start. Um, I'm going to say with the local farmers, emerging farmers, so you can support them as well mm-hmm. with uh, the fertilizer. Yeah, for example. The, yeah, with, with the fertilizer, and this allows our clients in the first world countries to leverage this off, so that they can practice a good sustainability mm-hmm. and brand awareness. So to sum it up, you have a waterless toilet. Yeah. Just you can sell to people. Correct. You can sell the idea of the blue economy. So and you can use the stuff that com- comes from your yeah, your actually your waste product is your gold. Yeah. Uh, and next to it, you're also helping people in Africa. Uh, that's yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah. So it's um, a pretty interesting business model. Thank you. Um, it, it, it's it's been a long journey because I mean, 
when people look at waste, they've got this icky factor around mm-hmm. the human waste, but there's so much nutrients around it. Uh, and I think everybody's talking about it now is how can we look at the circular economy? So we're in a very interesting space. And the one close first to the waistline is the one who pretty much can impact the most. So, yeah. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Uh, and finally, we have the news. Lorenzo, can you kick it off? Uh, today, actually, uh, Apple released this new iPhone X. Uh, iPhone 10. Uh, well, that's that's the discussion. That's another discussion. Uh, so there will be queues at all the stores. No, they were there again, which is interesting because the iPhone 7 didn't have queues. Uh, and everybody Finally. Them, yeah, the magic of Apple dis- uh, vanished, you people said. But did you think they, they were cheering at Apple? Yeah, we have uh, finally we have some queues again. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I guess so. Maybe they paid them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, fake news is the word of the year in Great Britain. F- fake news. Or is it true? No, it's it, <laughs> yeah. It's the Pope admitted that he's doing power naps during his prayers, which is pretty flexible working. But are you praying or power napping then? Uh, <laughs> Amazon bought three domains regarding cryptocurrency, which is interesting because uh, the second news item is that Bitcoin surpassed the seven thousand dollar mark. Maybe that's something to do with it. Um, well, I want to finish this podcast up now today. Uh, yeah, we want to thank uh, the organization of TEDx rather than having us present here at their event. Mm. Of course, Professor Ketter, Wolf Ketter, of course, uh, for his interview. Our superhero of the month. Our superhero of the month. And CIC. Uh, normally, we would thank CIC for our studio space. We didn't use it this time for this podcast, but anyhow, we still want to thank, thank CIC you. for our uh, studio space. Exactly. We want to thank Venture Cafe for their help and their support. And we want to thank Studio Three Times Today for our amazingly cool cover artwork for this special edition. <laughs>